Good morning. Our scripture comes from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. God, thank you, Marlene. Well, good morning, church. My name is Mark Montgomery. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to add my welcome to Pastor Rob's welcome to all of you here and to all of us joining online. Glad that you're here. In fact, we're glad that you're back joining us with our second week of our Be Well series as we conclude the series today. Last week, we covered mental and emotional wellness. We introduced you to Keith Priest, our newest staff member, who happens to be a Christian counselor. And because of the salary we provide to him, we're able to offer his services to our church and our community for free. Isn't that amazing? Well, today we're going to talk about physical wellness. And I know some of you may be thinking, what does a guy who looks like he's 12 years old who clearly is genetically skinny, have to tell me uh, about physical fitness. Well, here's what I tell you. Uh, I know that I need to wait until I'm 40 until my metabolism slows down, but I would argue uh, my metabolism has already slowed down just a little bit. In fact, take a look at the screen. This was me eight years, and I was 40 pounds heavier. I was 190 pounds eight years ago. You see that big old head? Look at that thing. Now, here's the thing. I was living in Texas, and typically that's a good thing for me to say, unless, have you ever eaten in southwest Texas? Let the, now, I'm convinced that in heaven all of the calories and all of the fat will be removed, but it will taste just as good. Uh, but here's the thing. They put a lot of lard in all the tacos down there. Bean and cheese tacos are delicious. I would eat... Uh, Bean and cheese, I would eat breakfast tacos every morning, and if you've ever had salsa with your coffee, you understand what I'm talking about. And then, there is this place, I want you to know, In-N-Out Burger is out. Whataburger has been and always will be in, in Texas. And so, uh, I would always either get a number five or a number seven. Number five is a bacon cheeseburger, but the number seven is glorious, let me tell you why. It's uh, four chicken tenders that are deep fried, and they come with a side of fries... And a side of gravy to dip your chicken tender in. And then, they take a big old slice of Texas toast, they butter it up and grill it and serve it alongside. I mean, doesn't that just, it just sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, you could tell I really enjoyed it. So anyway, I, during that time, it was my uh, first job as a pastor, my first place of appointment. I hadn't run, actually, in about four or five years consistently. And so I wasn't really exercising. I was working a lot of hours, so... I was, um, I would go to work at, at 7.30, I'd work all day, I'd go uh, home for dinner, and I'd come back, I had a lot of night meetings, I'd work until 9 at night, and I was usually picking up food in between here and there, and I wasn't eating well, I wasn't exercising much, and I was super stressed, because of all that, I wasn't very focused, I couldn't concentrate at work, and so guess what would happen, I would come home, and I'd be stressed, and so I'd want to check out, and so I'd watch TV, 
until the wee hours of the morning or or because I wasn't able to concentrate, I'd have to catch up on some of my work by pulling an all-nighter to write a sermon or to finish up some of the work that I had to do. And so I would eat junk food and drink sodas just to stay awake all night. And you can see the kind of cycle that I found myself in. And I wasn't eating right. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't living very well. So here I am today. Here's a picture of me in October. I ran my third marathon or my family. This is my wife, Melissa, and my son, Liam. Uh, I ran my third marathon in October, the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm eating differently, much differently now. I have a whole lot more energy, which is good because I have a three-year-old uh, of the male variety, which means their energy abounds, right? And so I need all that extra energy to be able to hang out with them. We have a great time. So you might be asking yourself, what changed? Well, my wife, Melissa, we'll call her the Holy Spirit today, right? Well, actually, the Holy Spirit was working through her. She's a a wonderful spouse. And one of the things that she said at that time in our life eight years ago, she said, Mark, I'm kind of getting tired of of our routine. I'm kind of getting tired of the way we're living. It feels like we're losing our purpose, our sense of meaning, because we're just stuck in this rut. And she said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go running. And I need a running buddy, so tag your it, right? And she said, you're going to come running with me. I said, said, okay, darling, let's go running. And then and then uh, she said, you know what? After a few days, she's like, I want to go see a doctor. I need to get a checkup. And so do you. You're going to go get blood work done. I was like, okay, yeah, sounds good. All right. And so I went to the doctor. She went to the doctor. And at, at the time, uh, she was having some pretty severe headaches in the middle of the night. I was having some digestive issues, although I grew up in southwest Texas. I feel like that's normal there. And then the doctor said, look, he said to both of us, you need to change the way you eat. You need to exercise more. It's going to help reduce your stress, your mood and behavior. It's going to be good for you. But he also recommended for us that we go gluten-free. Now, I want to caveat that for just a minute. Please do not go gluten-free as a fad or a diet. For us, we found out and discovered that we had a sensitivity, or I have an intolerance, and so does my wife, Melissa, uh, to gluten and to wheat because uh, a lot of uh, what we eat was overprocessed and uh, refined. And so it was our body wasn't processing it well, and so we developed a sensitivity over time. And so we are now gluten-free and have been, and we eat differently and we exercise. So all that added together, I feel a lot better. In fact, we immediately started to see results and to feel a lot different. In fact... All of that required more more time, right? So it took more time to do all the meal planning to make sure that we were eating healthy so we weren't tempted to stop at fast food. It required more time to go running and to make, make time for our workouts together. But here's the thing. I started to have more energy and more focus, so I had more time because I was spending less time staying up late. I was spending less time trying to get my work done because I was concentrating more at work. And so I found myself with more time, spending quality time with my wife, Melissa, and we began to find a a less stressed and more balanced lifestyle. But you know, I'm not perfect. Every time I go back to Texas, where do you think I go to eat? Now, I get a number five, so I don't get the side of gravy anymore, but I get the number five, which is a bacon cheeseburger, and it's glorious. But but there is another guy uh, whose story is much more impressive than mine. His name is Dean Carnassus. Now, Dean was, um, he was 30 years old at the time, back in 1992. He was 30 years old. He was in a high-paying, high-stress job. He wasn't eating right. He wasn't exercising. And so, actually, it was the night that he turned 30. 
he was celebrating his 30th birthday at a bar with friends and he had had too much tequila. He, he writes a story. This is his story. And he shares in that story that uh, it, in the course of the night, he realized that his life, he felt, was kind of void of meaning. He felt that he didn't really have much meaning or purpose in his life. And so he says he had this kind of tequila-inspired epiphany and he, he, he went home and he put on his running shoes and he ran... 30 miles in seven hours that night to celebrate his 30th birthday. Now, based off some feedback I've had this morning, I want to make two clarifications. Please do not go drink tequila and then go run 30 miles, okay? In fact, I would argue that drinking alcohol and exercise don't mix, and uh, you just should really limit that. You shouldn't do that. Uh, the other thing I'd say is he is clearly genetically a runner. He had run in middle school and hadn't run for 15 years and then was able to run 30 miles. Please don't go try to run 30 miles today because Pastor Mark said so. Please don't do that. But Dean Carnassus has some uh, amazing accomplishments. In fact, that was 1992. In 2005, he ran 350 nonstop miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes. That was 2005. In 2000s, I feel like y'all aren't impressed enough, so here's, here's what happened. In 2006, he ran 50 marathons in all 50 of the United States in 50 consecutive days. Isn't that amazing, right? Now, you might ask, what does he do to stay in shape? How does he have all the energy to do that? Well, he doesn't eat any processed food, no bread, no grains, no rice. He eats a lot of fruits and vegetables. And he eats plenty of good fat. So there's bad fat, good fat. So the good fat is stuff like olive oil, lean protein. But he still drinks, he still has his vices, right? He still drinks some coffee. He has coffee every morning. He has a glass of wine or two uh, occasionally. But his energy and his sense of purpose drive his physical achievement. Isn't the human body amazing? The human body is amazing, and what's amazing to me is we can do things. Now, I tell you the story of Dean Carnassus, not to say that we should all be able... To, I praise God that I will not run 50 marathons in 50 consecutive days. Amen? Right? We don't have to do that to be healthy, but we can be good stewards of the tremendous gift of these bodies that God has given us, and we can do that in our own way. But what I would argue is that, by and large, we don't really take good care of our, of our bodies. Let me give you a snapshot of our society. Our society eats a lot of food. Have you seen our portion size compared to other countries? It is giant. In fact, what we're eating compared to others isn't good. We eat, in America, we have a lot of high-processed uh, food that has a lot of preservatives in it, which means it's cheaper to make and it lasts longer on the shelves so they can sell it for longer. And so what that, so let me give you an example refined carbohydrates well that means refined sugar and refined wheat it's let me put it this so did you know that sugar and wheat are not naturally white in color they're just so refined and through the process of refining those sugars to make them to where they can bake food better uh, they actually strip a lot of the nutrients that are found within uh, wheat and, and other products so whenever you especially refined carbohydrates are void of nutrients. And so we're eating a lot of not the right food. And then what do we do with all that food that we eat? Well, in our culture today, we are more sedentary than we ever been. And think about it this way. A lot of you will commute an hour, which means you sit in a car for an hour, 
only to sit at your desk for eight to ten hours, only to come home sitting in a car for an hour. And then what do you do when you get home? You sit in front of the TV or you lay in front of the TV for, on average in America, five hours a day, which means over the span of our lifetime, we spend nine years of our life sitting or laying down watching TV. So we are sicker and we are heavier because our inactive bodies consume too much of not the right food. Did you know that the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition claims that since 1963, Diabetes has increased by 47%. Did you know that the number one killer, the leading cause of Americans in the United States? Heart disease. In fact, that means that every year, 24%, a quarter of all deaths are a result of heart disease. Now, I recognize that some of those come from birth defects or uh, family history. But what I will say is regardless of birth defect or family history, It is more common for you to die or have uh, uh, heart disease for people who smoke, people who are overweight, and people who are over the age of 55, which simply means you need to exercise more and pay more attention to your bodies. In fact, many of cases of heart disease can be prevented, uh, even if you have a defect or a family history of it, through lifestyle changes, including quitting smoking, eating healthier, exercising, and maintaining a healthy weight. You see, our bodies are undernourished, underused, and overstressed. And it leaves us feeling like we've lost our sense of purpose. And yet, we are called to a higher purpose, a higher calling. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your what? Your bodies as a what? A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which means when you present your bodies to God and say, here I am, Lord, God wants our best. He wants us to care for the bodies that God has given us, which is when we do that, this is our spiritual act of worship. It says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't do what everybody else does, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Think differently so that you may discern what the will, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Give your lives to God to transform you so that you may find your true purpose and meaning by better understanding God's will for your lives. So how do we do that? How do we achieve all this? Well, by the grace of God joining us today, we have a highly qualified, highly intelligent medical doctor. You might recognize her last name as she's married to our senior pastor. So would you join me in welcoming to the stage Dr. Andy Lau? A couple of reflections as we get started with this part of things. One, I don't know if I'm going to let Mark preach anymore because this has been uh, kind of uncomfortable for me. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfort. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Dr. Lau, thank you for being here today. In addition to being brilliant and beautiful and having excellent taste in men, you also happen to be board certified in family medicine. And one of the things that you and I have talked about before is that when it comes to physical wellness, there are really kind of four pillars uh, upon which our wellness rests. Could you talk to us about what those are? So those things are that we need to get enough water, enough 
physical activity, enough sleep, and good nutrition. So hydration, exercise, sleep, and nutrition. Uh, we're going to talk through just a little bit about um, some, some basic things that we need to know about each one of those four pillars. And to, to save you some time, we, w- we went ahead and put this stuff on the back of your bulletin in the sermon notes section. So would you talk to us a little bit about hydration and the amount of water we need? So did you know that 60% of our bodies are made of water? Just to maintain that level of hydration, you should get half your body weight in ounces of water. Um, and, and this is if you're not sick. So this is just maintenance. So if you're ill, you have a fever, you have a tummy bug, or if you're out exercising and sweating a lot or out in the heat, that needs to be more. So if I'm 150 pounds, 75 ounces of water or Diet Dr. Pepper every day. Uh, <laughs> maybe not that second hand. So what about exercise? So our children should be getting 60 minutes of physical activity every day. Um, and that's why you hear a lot of information about, hey, let's not not allow kids to have more than two hours of screen time because that's one of the benefits is that it promotes exercise. Adults should be getting 150 minutes of cardiovascular activity per week. This activity should make you winded. You should not be able to have a conversation well with it. It should make you sweaty. And if you're an overachiever and you're a runner, then maybe 75 minutes a week is okay. In addition to that, you ought to be doing um, things for strength training as well as especially the older you get, you should be doing more things for flexibility and for balance. Um, Tai Chi is good for that. Good. Uh, So uh, we need... uh 75 minutes of vigorous exercise or 150 minutes of moderate exercise a week. Let's talk about sleep for a minute. Um, Adults need seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, There's certainly plenty of information that you can find out there about sleep hygiene and how to improve that for yourself. But I would start first by getting up at the same time every day and going to sleep the same time every day. Children need more sleep than we do. There's lots of charts that tell you at what age, how many hours of sleep your kids should be getting. Um, there's some information out there that maybe as we get older, greater than 65, that we might need less sleep, even as less as little as five hours of sleep a day. Okay. And then nutrition is really kind of the, the biggest key in many respects to our, our wellness. And so we've got this uh, this graph on the on the screen. Would you like to talk us through this? So... There's a lot of nutrients that we need to make our bodies run well. And this is this is the diagram that comes down all over that everybody, this is what your plate should look like. Is this what the American plate looks like? No. Particularly if you go out to eat. Um, if given the opportunity, I think my son Brock would pick a, a glass of soda and uh, a plate of hot wings for every meal. Yet after my own heart. <laughs> um, half your plate should be fruits and vegetables. Your meat selection obviously should be lean meats, but it should not exceed four ounces, which is about the size of the back of your hand. Can I use his fist? Not it's a pretty good thickness size right there. the oh, back yeah. of your hand. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Uh, you've talked to us about these these kind of four things. That information is available to to our folks here. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the the benefits because we've all heard that we need to do these things well. But but tell us what it does for our body when we pay attention to these four pillars. So I would say one of the number one concerns that are expressed by patients to myself is that they feel tired all the time, 
And um, a lot of times we do an extensive workup for fatigue with blood work, and I don't find any identifiable cause for it. Uh, what you should take away from this is that um, hydration, exercise, nutrition, and sleep, they all promote uh, energy levels, concentration, and elevate our moods. They also decrease all a lot of disease processes, particularly the big ones that you hear about. They also improve our metabolism and help us with weight control and improve our immune system. If I had to speak to each one individually, hydration helps clear our toxins out of our systems. It lubricates our joints. It helps uh, plump up our skin, which makes us feel and look younger. Did you know that one sugary drink a day increases your risk of diabetes by 15%? Um, With regard to exercise, we start losing our our protein mass and our muscle mass at age 30. And so exercise promotes bone health and muscle health, which leads to stability, flexibility, and endurance. It also decreases risk of hip fracture. And you probably didn't know it even decreases your risk of colon and breast cancer. Uh, with regard to nutrition, proper nutrition helps us to heal after illnesses and also and, and injuries. Great. So one of the things we knew uh, coming into today was that it wouldn't be possible uh, to develop a plan of wellness for everybody in the room because our, our wellness needs are, are going to be particularly uh, different. Uh, so, But what we thought we could do is we thought that we could provide a strategy so that under the care of your physician, uh, you could take those steps towards wellness. So uh, we worked together to put to, uh, a strategy for uh, how to have a successful relationship, a f- successful series of visits with your doctor. So talk us through uh, that. Before she does, this information is also on the back of your order of worship. All right. So ideally, every physician and every medical office would have a computer program that when we clicked on your name, everything that was important about you would come up on a screen. This is very frustrating to me, and I'm sure it's very frustrating to you. And so I would say to be your own very best advocate. So one single white piece of paper filled with your medical history significantly, significantly gives me more time at the office visit to spend with you, which is rewarding for me. And rewarding for you. So I would suggest you put on a piece of paper your medical history, procedures you've had, medications, doses, allergies, preventative tests, colonoscopy and date, uh, mammogram and date, pap and date, tetanus and date. Um, If you have one of the two biggies, high blood pressure, diabetes, it's, it's very helpful if you're bringing those numbers into us. Not your machines, which we spend another five minutes fiddling with trying to get an idea. It's very easy to look at a piece of paper and look for generalizations. That helps us out. That gives you at least five minutes more of time to spend discussing the things that are important to you. I would also suggest that you come with no more than two of your most important problems. And I know that that's frustrating, and I know that you're paying for medical care, and I know that it's hard to take time out of your schedule. But we can explain things better. I I, I once did an educational session where 
We looked at medical literacy and how much people actually take home with them. They take home about 30% of what I'm telling them. And so if you have 10 problems, that's 30% or less of each one of those problems that you're taking with you. I feel better about the, the care that I'm providing to you, and you feel better about the answers that you're getting when you take the time to do that. Um, I would establish a relationship with a physician. Uh, this is important, particularly for chronic medical care, because we start to learn your ideals, the things that are important to you, and you become a person as opposed to a number, and that that's important. Again, important for you, important for us, that relationship is very important. When do you need to see your doctor? The two biggest things that um, are out there that show a risk for developing medical problems are blood pressure and, and weight. If your blood pressure is running greater than 130 over 85, or if your weight is your BMI, your weight for height, which is easily calculable, you can find little calculators online easy if it's greater than 30, you should at least establish with a physician and be following with them regularly to prevent the disease things from happening in the future and get a head start on things. And so one of the things I learned in preparation for today that I think might be helpful uh, for all of us, uh, we've talked before here about how sometimes finding uh, a physician who can be our primary care physician can be difficult in our area because we don't have enough family practice doctors in our area. And so some of us go to places uh, where we see a different doctor every time. One of the things I learned this week is that uh, for places like that, and one of the big ones around here is patient first, you know, you can actually go online and see uh, what doctors are working on which days. And so uh, by, by paying attention to that schedule on their website, you could actually be strategic in terms of ongoing care to determine uh, to go and see the doctor on the day in which that particular doctor is working and therefore uh, have continuity of care by seeing the same physician over and over again, even in scenarios where in a particular organization you're not assigned a particular doctor. So that was a piece of information I, I didn't know and I thought might be helpful for you. I want to celebrate the fact that not only is Andy here with us, but we've got some other folks uh, in the room who um, are, are part of this great work of of moving us all towards wellness. So if you're, a, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're a physical therapist, if you're one of those folks who participates in the health care uh, and the maintenance of, of our bodies, would you, would you stand up for me for just, just one second and stay standing? I just want to do something. We've got one over here. Anybody? Yay, a few of you. Okay, keep standing. Yeah, praise the Lord. Keep standing. I just want to take a moment and pray pray for you guys and for the great ministry that you're doing. Gracious God, I thank you for the women and men who are in this room. I thank you in particular for those who uh, make a difference by helping us take our next step towards greater wellness. And we pray, oh God, that you would bless them in the course of their ministry. It's hard work, the work that they are doing, and it feels uncertain at times like they're trying to hold back a tide. But we ask, oh God, that you would renew their commitment and their sense of call to do this great ministry and to do it well. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So would you join me in thanking my lovely wife for being up here with me? Well, with all the great information that Andy's given us, uh, I don't want us to miss the opportunity to leave with one clear idea of what we can do 
With all that great information, I think that we have the opportunity to take and allow God to transform, to use what we've learned, to transform our minds so that we might better discern God's purpose for our lives. Zig Ziglar says, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. And if you want to remain where you are, God bless you, but here's what I know. I'm taking care of myself. I'm, I'm acting differently and not conforming to this world because I want to be here for my wife and for my son and I want to serve the God that I love with, in the very best way that I can. You see, that's my motivation behind my goal. So I'd encourage you, find your motivation, but also set a goal. Let's sharpen our swords together. So I want to challenge you to take one step, just one, and you can pick from one of the four pillars. So maybe it's hydration. And you could take a step by setting a goal of carrying a water bottle around with you everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Or maybe it's exercise, and you're going to go get out there, and you're going to run, or you're going to walk. Or maybe you get a Fitbit. It'll actually track your steps. It'll give you challenges and tell you what you have or haven't done for the day. And maybe it's sleep. If you have a Fitbit, it'll actually track your sleep and how deep you're sleeping in the night and maybe help you adjust. Or you can commit, like Andy said, to going to sleep and to waking up at the same time every day. And here's the thing. If you do that over 90 days, a habit will form. So it takes 90 days to form a habit. Or maybe it's nutrition. You could take a step by deciding to eat one salad a day with just a little bit of ranch, right? Just a little bit of ranch. What step will you take? Well, it starts with the plan. Here's what I've discovered. When I go to the grocery store and I've planned out, Melissa and I have planned out our food for the week, first of all, I spend a whole lot less money and a lot less time, and I come home with the stuff we need for the week so I'm not spending extra money on fast food because I don't have food to eat, right? And what I've also learned kind of as a rule of thumb, if you stick to the outside aisles of the grocery store, typically that is where the healthier food is. Now, I've noticed that they've started to put ice cream on the outer sections, too. That's this account as healthy food, okay? But what I'd also say, too, is when you if you read the back of whatever product you're going to buy, the ingredients list, if that list is a mile long or if it has a bunch of words that I can't pronounce... I tend to put it back. Here's a great example. People think that eating gluten-free is super healthy. Have you ever read the ingredients list of gluten-free bread? It is a science experiment. It's like Frankenstein bread. It's not good for you. But what I would say is when, if you have a plan, if you go through all that, that's helpful for nutrition, for running, for uh, exercise. If I register for a race... I'm going to train for it. I'm going to start running. If I have a running buddy, I'm more likely to go running. So here's what I want to invite all of us to do today. I want to challenge you to pick one pillar and write down one goal before we leave here today. So I want you to write down one goal. I'm I'm concerned. I don't see you moving. I want to invite you to take your bulletin. There's pens, there's pencils, or take a sheet of paper, write it on your hand. I want you to write down your goal. Just pick one pillar, pick one goal, and write it down. Because if you write it down, guess what? You're 42% more likely to achieve it. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you're going to go out to lunch, you're going to go home and, and eat a meal together. Take If you write it down and then you tell somebody about your goal, you are 65% more likely to achieve it. And here's the thing. If you write it down, tell somebody about it, and and work on a plan to have somebody hold you accountable, you are 95% more likely to achieve it. And, And here's the things.
there's two types of goals. There's habit goals, right? Where over a 90-day period, you do the same thing day after day after day and a habit forms and then you do it for the rest of your life. Or there's achievement goals where you pick a goal that ends on a certain date. So let me give you an example. My habit goal is I'm going to make a habit of running 90 minutes a week for 90 days and then I'll be able to keep it up. My achievement goal is I'm going to run a half marathon before January 1st. Some, somebody came up and said, hey, which marathon are you running? Or which half marathon are you running? I don't, I don't know. I guess I need to pick one. So I need to register. But friends, we are called to love God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. All of what we have belongs to God. We're just stewards of this great gift. So let's take a step toward committing what we have to God so that God will take our lives transform them, renew our minds and fill us with purpose and with meaning so that we might do exactly what we were created and called to do. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you for the grace and the love that you give us through Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for these bodies that you've gifted us with. Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit and by your grace, that we would have the strength to not only care for our bodies, but to find our meaning and purpose as we seek to follow you in all that we do. Help us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we give you thanks. And all God's people said, Amen.